Good morning. Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Zach. Good morning. It's, uh, it's great to see you all here this, this morning. I'm glad you're here with us to, to worship together on this Sunday. This is one of my favorite Sundays every year. I was just, I've told a few different people um, this morning. It's typically our smallest service, but, but also I think our most um, intimate. You know, there's that kind of, that, that, that dynamic of between Christmas, before New Year, and, and um, obviously here we got snow on the mountains. I think there's even some snow in, in here um, right now, but it is just to tell you, I, I've, I've gotten my eye on the th- thermostat, and it's actually gone up a degree, so we're getting warmer, so that's good, and um, also this is our, our, our effort. Um, we weren't acting charismatic enough as a church, so we figured if we made it really cold, it could get us to move, move, move around a bit. All right. Um, so if you're wondering who's the guy up here trying to pop jokes, um, my name's Dave. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And um, again, just great to have you here. And, and um, if, uh, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I always want to make sure that, that people know I have a stutter and it'll kind of come in and out as, as I go, as, as, I, as I preach and just want to make sure that you know what that is. And it might be uh, exaggerated a bit by the cold, but um, but it's 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 here every week. Um, so this this morning we're getting into a um, these next two weeks we're in kind of a, um, a a standalone series. We just finished the Advent season and, and we're looking ahead um, to uh, the second week in January. We'll be getting into the Book of Malachi. And so that's just a heads up of where we'll be. Um, and then uh, we're going to be doing a, a little five-part series about some kind of um, foundational conv- convictions that we have as a, as a church um, across redemption. And then uh, we're going to get into the book of John, and uh, we'll be in there throughout the year. So um, anyway, that's just a heads up of where we're going. But this morning we're looking at um, the name uh, above all names. All right, so um, let me go ahead and pray as we get into our time together in Scripture. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, as Jenny said earlier during the welcome, we recognize, um, even right now we pause, and acknowledge that that there's so much we can so easily take for granted. Um, You know, I'm joking about being cold, and it it is a bit cold, but... um, Lord, even in this time, I pray that we would be reminded of those within our own country, within our own city and community who are without a lot of the comforts that many of us have, um, Lord, without home. And then again, as we kind of z- zoom out and, and consider the global church and um, what it looks like for people to walk faithfully with you in, in very different circumstances than we have. And um, that said, we know that our greatest obstacle is not our outside circumstances, but is the brokenness and sin within our own hearts. And so, Lord, we pray that this morning as we come together, as we come before your word, 
which um, we do believe, as your word says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord, we pray that we would be shaped and changed and informed and transformed as our minds and our hearts are renewed um, by what you would have to speak to us through your perfect and holy word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this season, um, this kind of time frame, again, after Christmas and um, uh, is known and considered as, um, as, as a time that, that's, that's difficult for a lot of people. And, and as I kind of set the stage for where we're going to be this morning and get into that, I, I want us to press in and consider why that is. Um, and also, um, uh, I was so focused on not being able to feel my hands that I forgot to have you raise your hands if you need a book Bible. You like that? That was smooth, all right? Little, no, but that's me. I'm not going to try to own that. I are not try to hide it. I forgot. Um, if you need a copy of God's Word, and I want you to have one and to follow along with us, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and we will get you a Bible. So hold it up. Don't be afraid, um, and we'll get you a Bible. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, uh, eso es un regalo a usted. Um, y, how do you say Genesis? Geneseo. Y esta mañana estamos en el libro de Geneseo, capítulo 11. Thank you. Was that right, Geneseo? All right. We're throwing it out there. Um, um, so again, uh, this is our gift to you, okay? We want to make sure everyone has a copy of, of God's Word to, to make their own and to learn and to, again, to be transformed by. So go back with me before I interrupt myself. Um, the, um, wh- why is this season often a time of, of disappointment and even kind of sadness? That specifically January, kind of Christmas is over, New Year's is over, there's, there's often a, a struggle and even kind of an overall sadness and discontent. And I think a lot of it is because we've, we've, we've come out of a season of, of of meeting our own needs and even anticipation for experiences, relationships, goods, resources, consumption of different things that are gonna gonna satisfy us or gonna meet our needs. And then often uh, when those don't follow through, we're left wanting. And then, and then also as the new year comes around, I know for me often I think back to as I consider making new year's resolutions Year in and year out, I, I start to remember, oh, I, I made a similar one last year. Like, I, I, I vowed to be wearing a different size pants, and that's true, but not in the same direction I was hoping to go, you know, and, and just things like that just circle around. And, and as I press into that, this isn't going to be, again, a kind of slap a band-aid on, like, social media, that's your enemy, or no more, you know, get, give all your toys away, that'll solve your problem, like, um, it's deeper than that. And as I'm pressing in and thinking about, and you might have even wondered that, that, that scripture that we looked at this morning, and that we're going to look at together this morning, it's because I think it gets into a, a deeper reality that focusing on ourselves, and really at some level, it's making a name for ourselves. And name isn't, you know, Joe, Sally, you know, um, it's, it's, it's identity and purpose. It's, it's who am I? It's, it's character. It's, it's, it's some things that, ori- it's foundational truths that orient and direct 
our, our lives. And, and I submit to you that this isn't just a, a Christmas season kind of deal, like, oh, this is a, a Christmassy season. I think this is a season, this is a time that, that we're maybe more, more set up well to actually pause and consider um, really what, what it's all about. What are our goals? What directs us? What drives us? And, and here's where I want to, here's what I'm assuming this morning, is that is that we all are prone to want to make a name for ourselves apart from God. And it always, ultimately, inevitably leads to incredible disappointment and, and frustration and longing. And, and that's because the, the whole story of God, the broader truth of Scripture that we're told from, from beginning to end is that God created us created us to have our name, again, think not just name like we think of, but in the more in the, the Hebrew context is under, it's, and often, right, people were named, like I would probably be called like shorty or stocky one, or, you know, like there were names that identified you and it would be like who you're a child of and who you're related to and what kind of, um, what kind of profession you might go into or things that parents hoped would be true of their kid. And we do that today, kind of, but if we're honest, you could make any name mean anything. And people do that. Like, oh, my kid's name is, you know, Kylie. And it's because it means beautiful one who dances in the snowflakes. And it's like, according to some Norwegian tribe, you know, it's like people just pick a name and throw something to it. But, but um, okay, sorry if your name's Kylie or whatever. Um, <laughs> but God created us that our name individually and, and corporately would be Imago Dei image bearer of God, that our name, our identity, our purpose, how we relate with one another, how we relate with God would be fully formed and informed by who God is, by his character, and by who he, who he sets us off to be. But sin, um, ultimately not God, Thanks, God, I don't want your name. I don't want my purpose and my identity and my relationships to be defined by you and by who I am in relationship to you. I want to figure it out my way. And the ultimate end of that is exactly that, is not God, is separation from God, is, is I want to do things my way. I want to figure out life the way I want it to be figured out. I want to make a name for myself and that's where we pick up the story this morning as we get into Genesis chapter 11 is this ultimate culmination of what happens when we start to stray and wander away from God and want to do it our way. Okay, so pick up with me in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, as we just heard read, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Now, something to, that we would just breeze right through, right? Bricks, I got a brick house um, that's a song, isn't it? Um, you know, I have a house that's made out of bricks. Um, you know, like bricks, okay, what's the big deal? Well, um, in the early audience reading this would have understand, understood there that, that God's people would, would use resources that God provided. And the, and the homes would be built as a reminder that, that God provided the 
resources to protect his people. And the language is intentionally used here to remind um, whoever would be reading this, oh, they were trying to be like all the other nations that, that weren't God's people that used things they could depend on, that they didn't need God. They, they flexed their muscle, their wisdom, their engineering prowess by using their own resources. And so they were going to build these structures. So they used bricks. And again, that would be kind of an aha moment. But why did they do it? Verse four, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Again, pause there for a moment. There were surrounding communities and nations and people, specifically the Babylonians in this eastern world, that would build these structures called ziggurats that would, that would uh, again, go up into the heavens. And the idea, the imagery is we can, we can be like God through our own effort, through our own striving, through our own work. Okay, I, I shared some of the story. If you go back with me, in Genesis, what happened when sin entered into the world? God's character was questioned. The serpent tempted Adam and Eve and said, well, God doesn't want you to eat that fruit because you can't really trust his character. You can't trust his name, and therefore your name that derives from your relationship with him is, is not really what's best for you because God's worried that you're going to become like him. And, and we bit the fruit, if you will, right? We, we in individually and corporately as humanity bought into that lie and said, oh yeah, we can, we can do it. You're right, we don't need God. We can be like God without depending on God. And so that's from the very beginning. That's when sin enters into the world. And that's the same um, thing that's going on right now here is these people want to build these towers up to heaven. This, if you will, this access to, to the deity through our own effort, through our own striving. And why did they do it? They said, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And right now there, that last part, right? Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us establish who we are apart from God altogether. Lest we be scattered around the earth. Well, why did God create humanity to begin with, right? To have an identity, relationship to God, imago Dei, to bear his name, and then to have a purpose, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Cultivate the earth. Be gardeners and engineers and artists and construction workers and, and, and take care of, of the animals. And, and everything that you do, do it in order to, to, to spread the revelation of God's image, in all that we do, but right, the ultimate end is we want to have our identity, our name, and our purpose be what we want it to be, and we're going to huddle together, and, and we're going to not be independent relationship with God. This is the ultimate culmination of anti-creation, of not depending on God, of not needing Him, of not relating with Him in any way, and it's broken, and it's seemingly hopeless. And so look how God intervenes now as we pick up in the story in verse 5. Okay, but again, consider first though, like, this is serious stuff. This is the, right, after the flood, this is all these things happening, and God is sitting there looking at his creation, at his, his people, and then look what he says in verse 5. 
The Lord came down to see the city and the tower with the children of, that the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. So before we read there, verse 9, and what it's called, what happens here? Hear me now. God intervenes. It seems like God's being mean, like God's, you know, s- stepping in and just being a buzzkill, like killjoy, like breaking up the p- party. But it's because, again, he says that the, 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 the very worst thing, the ultimate culmination can happen. They will, they will ultimately, once and for all, establish themselves as a people apart from God. They will now live lives together of, of anti-creation. They will huddle together. They will have a name and an identity and a purpose that's altogether broken and set apart and in no way connected to or dependent upon God. And now hear me. God loves you and me too much to let us settle for what we set out to do when it's establishing ourselves apart from him. Okay, let me say that again. No matter what it, how good it seems and feels to us, once I get this, I'll be set. Once my identity is established in this way, once I finally reach this pinnacle, once I get all my ducks in a row and do this, and when God sees that whatever that is from a heart level is ultimately leading to being established apart from him, he loves you and cares for you and me too much to just leave us to our own devices. He takes the initiative and comes down. This is one of the, the few places where we see, and that's in, again important there in verse five, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. In this Christmas season we're just coming out of, we celebrated God coming down. God incarnate. God in the flesh. Can you hear me? God always takes the initiative. Okay, this is true in our own lives today, in our own salvation stories, right? We might think, we might work ourselves up into believing, oh, I did this and I did this and this is how I worked myself to God or sometimes we even use the language, I found God and some of those things. I I believe this deeply to my core and I believe this is the biblical truth is if any of us have found God, it's because he has revealed himself to us. Okay, We, we find God because he first finds us. Amen? And that's what we see on display here, that God takes the initiative and he steps in and he messes up their plans. He breaks up what they're doing. Um, And he does this. He confuses them. Look in verse 9. Therefore its name shall be called Babel. Again, going back to names having purpose and meaning. Babel means confusion or confused. So if you want to be really mean, you could name your kid that. Right? So he names... Or, uh, therefore, it was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. Who confused the language? The Lord. Again, it seems like this major problem, this major, oh no, what can we do? Like everyone speaks different languages. Everyone's, no, God did this in order to save the people from themselves. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. 
Okay, this is just kind of a side part, but I want to acknowledge again, right? What was the, God's, God's commission was to go, right? To cultivate, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. But sin led humanity away from God's design, away from God's purpose, away from God's commission to just huddle up together. So God confuses and disperses them. Okay, so then he, he forces them. Now they're confused. They, have, they fill the earth, but they're broken. They don't understand one another. They speak different languages and all these things. Seems like God's plan now is kind of hopeless, right? Like God's plan to fill the earth, to have uh, uh, his whole creation filled of people who bear his image and who live life to reflect him and his glory. But he does this in order to establish his plan by focusing in on one man, on one family, to establish one name, Look in Genesis, just the very next chapter, and it's seemingly hopeless. It ends, just again there, it ends like anticlimactic movie. The, 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 the name was called Confusion. The people are dispersed over the whole earth. There it is, end of story. Like that's hopeless. But again, because God is the author of the story, because God is the hero of the story, he establishes his plan in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred in your father's house to the land that I will send you. Go, right? The people wanted to huddle. Our, our inward orientation, looking at ourselves, focusing on ourselves is what's in it for me? What's my identity? What's my purpose? What's going to set life up to be most comfortable, most profitable, to make a name for myself? right? And just to look inward. But God steps in and he, and, he, and he commands Abram. He says, go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And, he, and then God says, this is what I will do. Verse 2, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And then he says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. To him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So all the families that have been dispersed, that are confused, that are separated, what is God's plan? He's to focus in on one man, on one family, and he says, I will establish one name that will now be a blessing to the entire earth. And we just celebrated this Christmas the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And imagine, this is thousands of years before that first Advent, before that first Christmas, the first coming of, of God with us, of God incarnate, of God in the flesh. And then we see this picture most clearly displayed of the, 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 the fulfillment of God's promise there way back in Genesis chapter 12. It looks ahead to the day in Philippians chapter 2. We see this picture of what will happen of the fulfillment of that promise that, that one name will bless all the families in the earth. Look in Genesis chapter 2. I'm sorry, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Again, pause me. That's the Christmas season. That's Advent, right? Jesus, fully God, chose to become born, fully human, born in the flesh, right? 
He, he was born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So unlike you and me and all of humanity living as a result of sin, apart from God, separated from him, inward focused, okay, this, this idea, this imagery I love is navel gazers, right? Look inward oriented, looking at ourselves, staring at ourselves, so focused on me and my identity and my purpose and what I can do and what will fulfill me and what will satisfy me and what can, what are my rights? What can I hold on to? What can I cling to? But God steps into our problem and doesn't stand far off with a little fairy wand and abracadabra, let's make it all better, but he enters in intimately. He takes on flesh and he becomes one of us and then he does what you and I could and would never ever do for ourselves. He gives up his rights. He takes, though he's fully God, he created heaven and earth. He deserves all worship, all praise, all glory, all adoration. He deserves his rights to sit on his throne and rule over all things, and yet he humbles himself and goes through the process of being born, being dependent, being needy, being living all of life for God's glory and others' good, and then ultimately taking on the greatest form of shame and humility, dying naked on a cross. And why did he do this? Because, or so that, verse 9, therefore, in light of all that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Okay, we wanted to set a name for ourselves apart from God, separate ourselves from Him, have our identity and our purpose be all about um, being, being, being distant from God, no longer dependent on God. But He came and established one name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, God saves us from ourselves by turning our eyes to Him and by giving us a greater name, the name that is above every name, so that in Christ, through Christ, by placing your faith in Christ, you now, you and I are now saved from being separate from God by trying to make a name, a futile name for ourselves, and a name that is actually found in him. Again, I say this not to make you feel bad about yourself, but some of the best news, the good news, the gospel, that means good news, is that it's ultimately not about you. And that can be so hard for us because we're so prone. We're, we're fish swimming in polluted waters. We're so used to life is all about me. What's going to make me feel better? What's going what's to make me, what's going to set me apart from everyone else? What's going to make me better than everyone else? And, and what we do throughout our lives, again, that's why for so many of us this Christmas season can be so depressing is because we've been building, uh, building a house of cards that's so fragile that just one thing can knock it right over. One experience, one, one, one failed expectation, one failed resolution or promise. And it all comes crashing down. And then we try to build it back up again. 
But just like that imagery there, God ultimately crashes it down, knocks it over, just like he did this Tower of Babel. And then he builds a new name, a new structure, a new life, an identity and a purpose that is unshakable, that has eternal significance and glory, that says ultimately you matter so much more because it's not ultimately about you. Your value and your worth is so significant because not just, oh, you matter, you're, you're unique, you're so good. No, because you're an image bearer of God. Because individually and communally, God wants to display himself, his name, throughout all the world. Okay, that, that you and I no longer clamor uh, and try to get on top of one another and, and try to outdo one another and make a name for ourselves, but that we can corporately freely give ourselves because we have a name that can never be taken away. Because the name of Jesus, the name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess and there will be worship and glory given that we can now be identified with and have a purpose that's directly associated and related to Him and to His glory. So in this season where we're so prone to again be inward oriented, to be navel gazing, to be frustrated, to be broken, to be disillusioned, to be dissatisfied. Let's look at Jesus. Consider with me these four, four of an infinite number of good news realities of truth of who we get to be because of Jesus. Okay, consider with me, and if you have notes, you can take them down, and you can write these down. When we look at Jesus, especially in light of the story of the Tower of Babel, Okay, the ultimate picture of sin, of life lived apart from God. Okay, compare those two things. And now as we look at Philippians 2, we consider Jesus. We see that Jesus reverses our selfishness by humbly giving of himself. Can you hear me now for a moment? Outside of Jesus' intervention, you and I are selfish to the core. Okay, as parents, I'm a parent. Don't be selfish. If, if your kid hasn't been given a new heart, like, that's a futile battle. It, it's, like, it's like telling a wild animal, like, don't kill that other animal. Like, it's what I do. It's who I am. We joke about this because my dog just ate a whole bag of cookies the other day. And it was, it's like, and I want to get mad. And some of you who know me and have lived in my community and have seen me chase my dog around like an idiot around my house and things like that. It's like, you know, he's like clamoring and nails are scratching on the linoleum and I'm slipping and sliding we're going all over it's like when you pause for a moment or you know hypothetically your wife wisely reminds you like he's a dog <laughs> cookies he's gonna eat the cookies like it's just what he does well hear me again outside of God's intervention we're selfish we're inward oriented it's the result of sin we're we're obsessed with ourselves but the good news is, is that because Jesus gave up himself, because Jesus was selfless, we are set free from our enslavement to slavery. Jesus reconciles us to God by being forsaken by the Father. Okay, again, sin has led us away from God, not God, broken, in isolation, apart from God. The most desperate reality in life is that we are separated from our Creator. Okay, where we, we were created, our name, our identity and purpose is directly related to who we are in relationship to God. 
And yet sin has broken us away from him. Outside of his intervention, hopeless, unreconciled. But because Jesus hung on the cross, because Jesus cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? You and I get to be reconciled to God. Number three, Jesus replaces our unstable name with his everlasting name. Again, I just want this to sink in, sink in a little bit in case any of us are wondering, just recognize how futile the effort is to make a name for yourself. Okay, kids, youth, I know we have, um, I think, kindergarten up in here with us this morning. Like, think about trying to make a name for yourself, trying to be the cool kid, right? You want to have the popular things, the best toys, until all of a sudden someone else has better toys, right? You're having one day where you're walking around at school and you're like, man, I'm cool. I've, I've finally arrived. And then one thing happens and you feel like you came crashing down and all of a sudden now you're no longer the coolest kid in school, right? Someone new moves, moves in or someone all of a sudden has a cooler jacket. And everyone, I don't know if kids today still share jackets and that's how headlights get shared and stuff like that. That's how it was for us. Starter jackets, anyone? Starter jackets, you know, Miami Hurricanes and uh, FSU, the Seminoles, those were the jackets. Everyone was wearing them and that's how headlights got sprayed because like, hey, let me wear that jacket for a little while and look cool and right, whatever it is, it's futile. Adults, your portfolio, Again, a re relationship, a perfect scenario. And I love when those happens, when you're sitting back at Christmas and it, you just nailed it that year. Man, the, the, the dinner was perfect, the breakfast, all the gifts, all the surprises went off without a hitch, whatever. And it's good. And I think it's good to celebrate in those moments. But when your hope, your identity, your purpose is so wrapped up in that, it's so fickle. And yet Jesus establishes a name like we see in Philippians 2 that we get to now participate in. We can be set free from the futile effort of trying to make a name for ourselves by delighting in the name of Jesus. And then, again, ultimately, Jesus unites us when we come together to worship him rather than ourselves. Okay, what would it look like for us to delight in the glory of his name? to be unified together, to not be, be clamoring, fighting with, right? Trying to make a name for ourselves, jealous of one another, trying to out-Instagram one another, trying to out-do you know, one another, but to be set free from that. Um, I have a quote here that I think is really helpful and very simple. Author and pastor Timothy Keller says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. Okay, because after the sermon, I know you guys might be like, man, it's just Christmas. Why are you being so mean? <laughs> like, why are you just, okay, I know. And sometimes churches go this route, just beat yourself up. And, well, and then it just it can becomes pretty clear. It's like false humility. Oh, hey, good sermon today, right? Good, hey, nice, whatever it is. Oh, oh this old thing. Oh, that, oh, well, woe is me. Just God through me. Don't clap for me. Charles Spurgeon, people talked about, used to say if someone came up and told him good sermon, they would, he would say, uh, uh, the devil already beat you to it. <laughs> like, and I like Charles Spurgeon. Like, I quote him, but that was like, dude, that's kind of messed up right there. Like, 
It's a little bit of Charles Spurgeon even is not perfect, right? That's a little bit of false humility there. Um, but no, right? Like this thing, like you're trying to, oh, it's not me. It's God. This one guy, this funny story I love, this guy that used to play played basketball. A bunch of guys would get together and play basketball. And after he'd like drain a three, running back down the court, he would actually say, not just do one of these deals, but he would be like, glory to God. And he'd kind of do it like, like, glory to God. It's like, dude, that is not glory to God at all. You're like rubbing my face in it right now. By Like that's even worse right now. So it's not beat ourselves up and try to pretend and try to get into this false humility. It's actually being set free. Again, when we worship, and sometimes you see eyes raised or hands raised, this idea of surrender, of, of awe, of right recognition, of where glory, of where the, the one true name, the identity and the purpose that, that is good and right and true and beautiful. It's, it's, it's eyes focused on self being lifted and focused on God. So as we close, I want to just leave us with some things to consider. And the big idea is that while we try to make a name for ourselves apart from God, always, that's our human dispensation. That's our, 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 our human tendency is to want to make a name for ourselves apart from God. And it always leads to frustration and sadness and disappointment. But God frees us from obsession with self by giving us a greater name that's found only in Jesus Christ. And so what would it look like for us as a church to no longer strive to make a name for ourselves? What would it look like for you and your family to be set free from striving, from effort and disappointment, effort and disappointment. What would it look like to be set free from striving? What if we were so enamored by him that we were set free from obsession with self? What, what, what would it look like in real life to be so enamored by the glory of God? Not faking it, not trying it, not mustering it up, not... Glory to God, you know, not, but like to actually delight in him, to have such an intimacy with, with God that we were set free, that we actually lived life with nothing to prove and nobody to impress. Not because we have such self-confidence and think so highly of ourselves, but because we think so highly of him and the fact that he thinks so highly of you, so much that he gave of himself for you, that that sets you free from self-obsession. And then lastly, what if rather than competing for glory against one another, we were unified by worshiping together? So now as we close, let's turn our eyes to him. Let's turn our eyes from self, from individual obsession to being unified together and lifting up and rejoicing and glorying in the name of Jesus. Let's pray together. Again, Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for loving us enough to save us from ourselves, from our selfish obsession. Lord, on a historic, global scale, you did that. You did that in Genesis chapter 11. You ruined the apparent party. You came down and, and you brought confusion in order to ultimately bring clarity. And the only way it could happen by sending your son Jesus to take on flesh, 
to be Emmanuel, God with us, and then to humbly give up his rights to experience being forsaken by his Father so that we can be reconciled, so we can be saved from ourselves and saved into, Lord, forgiveness, reconciliation with you, and then given a name, an identity, a purpose, Lord, to be now called sons and daughters of God Most High in and through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.